have this morning, I'm wanting us to consider the first Lord's Day, at least, not the first day, yesterday was the first day of course, this is the first Lord's Day of the first month of the year, and uh, I wanted to take us back to another first day of the first month of the year, uh, about 2,800 years ago. And uh, it is in the reign of Hezekiah. And it tells us there uh, that the that Hezekiah was a good king, and that his desire was to clean up the house of God that has, had fallen into disrepair. And uh, it, it tells us in verse 17 that they began to consecrate on the first day of the first month. And then uh, by the eighth day, they had come into the vestibule. So the priests start to do the work on the first day of the first month. Now, the book of Chronicles is, it's important to know why this book was written. You will remember that there are history books in the Bible. For example, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, and then Chronicles. But there is a, a, a wide difference between King, the end of the book of Kings and when Chronicles was written. There was an interval where in the in first, in, in first and second Kings, the people had become increasingly disobedient. And God said to them, I'm going to punish you for your disobedience. I cannot let my people live like this. I can't let my name be dragged through the mud. So the Babylonians are going to come in and take you captive for 70 years, which is what happened. Now, after those 70 years, people started to make their way back into the land of Israel by the tens of thousands. But they had to learn the lessons of the past so that they would not fall into the same mistakes all over again. That they wouldn't go by the way of their fathers. That they would actually take seriously the fact that God will say, look, if the same things happen again, I will have to do it all over again. So, a, a man starts to put pen to paper, and he is the chronicler. He goes back into the old history books, and he starts to pull out lessons from the good kings and the bad kings. And he says, this is what happens when you're a bad king. This is what happens when you're a good king. This is what is important to God. And this is what happened when the people forgot what was important to God. So as they were getting settled down again after being away for so long, the, this, this history book with lessons was written. It was a book with lessons. It was a book with a goal in mind. Not all history books are like that. Some books are just facts. But some history books will kind of point out, well, why did this happen? What can we learn from the life of Julius Caesar because of this? <laughs> um, now, those are all good lessons. Um, but this is what the chronicler was writing. And he was using Hezekiah as one of those good kings as a good example of what God's people ought to be like. Not just the people who were coming back, 
not just the people who of the, the day of the chronicler, but people in all ages. Because it deals with a theme that is true for us in all times. And that is the worship of God. The worship of God. It was true for the Old Testament people. In fact, this huge temple of Solomon was built. It was a glory of the ancient world. And, but that temple was built for the worship and the name of the God of Israel. And the people were to reflect God's holiness in the way that they lived and thought. Now, as you come into the New Testament, that same idea of worship is there, isn't it? Even though the temple is now gone, the language of temple still remains. So that the church worldwide is the temple of God. And that we individually, as believers, are temples. So we're not able then to leave these lessons way back 3,800 years ago, but we're able to say, look, the priorities of Hezekiah and the priorities of God in 800 B.C., are the same in 2022 on the first day of the first month of the year. And that's what Hezekiah did when he came in. We're often interested in what people do when they buy a new home. What's the first thing that you did when you went into your house? When you bought your new car, where was the first place you went? What was the first song we played on the radio? You know, we're often interested in these things. What is the first that happened when you did this, that, or the other? Where did you go? And we're often interested in resolutions this time of year, aren't we? What's the first thing you are going to do when you get up? And what, are, what resolutions have you made that is going to carry you through the rest of the year? Well, Hezekiah had a resolution, and he carried it out the first day of the first month of his reign. And that was the worship of God. You see, the king was not there just to keep the people safe. The king had a dual role. His role was, A, yes, to keep the people safe, but he was also a man who led the people in worship. And it was to be a man of God himself, because as the king went, so did the nation. They had a good king, there would often be a time of revival, and the people came back to the Lord, as it was here. If there was a wicked king, like Ahaz, who was the king before, the people fell away and they, they neglected God. So it really mattered who was there. And what Hezekiah is doing is that he is wanting to show the people what his priorities are going to be. Have you already shown what your priorities are going to be in the year to come? What was your day like yesterday? What did you do? What, what habits did you want to form? 
Uh, what did you want to change? Well, certainly that's what this chapter is all about. Change has to come. Habits have to be reformed. The kingdom of God has to be sought above all else. And really, uh, you could title this, which I have here in my uh, 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 message, Seek First the Kingdom. I don't think I titled that in the bulletin, did I? I think it said uh, priorities for uh, seeking God in 2022 or priorities for worship, something like that. That's the danger of putting things in place. You don't get change them afterwards. But, uh, uh, you, you, the, but this is the this is the, the priority here for King uh, Hezekiah. He recognizes that things had not gone well, and he interprets history in the light of what they had already done. He says, verse six: Our fathers have been unfaithful and have done what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him and turned away their faces from the inhabitation, the inhabitation of the Lord and turned their backs. They also shut the doors of the vestibule and put out the lamps and have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings. What they were, in other words, they were not praying to God. They were not providing sacrifices that say, Lord, I deserve to die, but this animal is going to die in my place. I deserve your punishment, but because of your grace, I live. And those very sacrifices, which were to symbolize that, they, they didn't do it. That's much like today, where in many places the gospel is thrown out the window. It's the equivalent of doing that very thing, not offering those sacrifices. It's saying, I am worthy to come before this God. But here we see Hezekiah's priorities. Here we see Hezekiah's heart. And the truth be told, what the Bible is saying is that in January 2nd, 2022, those are our priorities as well. We did a lot in 2021. We have plans maybe for 2022. Maybe some of your lives are going to change radically. Starting school, getting a job, maybe getting married, whatever it might be. More children coming along, grandchildren, all sorts of things may happen in 2022. It was the same for Hezekiah. Do you not think they had some of the same things going on in their lives? People being born, people dying, people getting jobs, marrying, moving off, doing this, that, or the other. Going to school, having careers. Listen, it wasn't any different for them than it is for us. So we can't say, oh, well, for him, the priority was the worship of God because look, that's what they did then. They didn't have all the technology and all the, the, the distractions and all the obligations of life like we have. We can't say that. We can't just say, oh, well, that's what, that's what Hezekiah did. He was a religious man. He was a you know, and that's Old Testament Bible stuff. So they occupy themselves with Bible stuff. We, we're living here in 2022. I've got lots of other things. Like, well, I'll fit God in when I can, but it's been way down on the list. No, friends. If we go down that road, we make a mistake not only of, 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 of 
disobeying what we find in 2 Chronicles 29, not only marginalized God's truth, but the gospel itself, Jesus Christ, because Hezekiah bears the heart and is a reflection of the greater king who would come, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to save us. Why? Because his father must be worshipped. His father must be glorified. That's why Jesus died. It's because not just to say, okay, well, now I'm saved. I won't go to hell when I die. I'll go to heaven. No. It's to gather worshipers from the four corners of the earth to God like we're doing here. It's to come together on Sunday at the beginning of the week. See, we don't have just a reminder of the first day of the first month of the year. We have to be at the beginning of every week. Sunday is the first day of the week. And we're reminded that this is our priority because Jesus rose on the first day of the week from the grave. And Sunday morning, so that we might worship. What happens after the resurrection of Jesus? The people were worshiping. They were getting together for worship. And you have the book of Acts where they're gathering by the hundreds and by the thousands. Worship, worship, worship. That's the focus. And what we're doing here isn't just waiting to die. It's not just waiting to get to heaven. But we're starting now what we're going to be doing in eternity. That's what Hezekiah was saying the first day of the first month of the year. Of his reign. Worship. He planted his flag and he says, Here I stand, I can do and will do no other. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He lived, he died, so that you and I could gather on Sunday morning. And lift up our hearts to God. And to say, how great is our God, how merciful, how loving, how wise is our God. Look at the plan that he worked out to save wicked sinners like ourselves. Without compromising his justice and his holiness. He did it. He punished my sin without punishing me. How did he do it? By making his son a human being, a man. And by punishing my sin in him. And so I get up on Sunday morning and I come to the table and I say, praise be to God for the wisdom that did it, for the love that did it, for the grace that brought it down to us, the love that drew salvation's plan. See, that's what's going on. That's what Jesus died to give us. That's what the angels are doing right now. They can't stop it. They just keep saying, worthy, worthy is the land. The whole heavenly precincts are filled with that language. They get it. They get that it's all about worship. 
because that's what the end in view is. It's not just to get there, it's what they do when they get there. And that's what we're doing. That's what Hezekiah wants his people to do. And he knows the consequences of not doing it. He outlined the punishment that God brought upon his people. And of course, Hezekiah lived in the time before the Babylonian exile. But even at that time, many of his people were taken into Assyria and many other places as prisoners. And, and he was saying, this is why, because people just were thumbing their nose at God, thinking they could worship him, and, or not worship him. Just do whatever they like. And God says no. They thought they could live whatever that way they like. And God says no. Again, no. Because I am holy and you're my people. And I will not let my people go on. Just as any parent, any good parent, will not let their child live whatever way they like. No self-respecting parent will do that. They will move in and they will do something. They will punish they will chastise. They will take away. They will do whatever they can to modify that behavior because they are my child. And that's what God does for his people. And he has to send them into exile for 70 years until they learn that God is holy and they are to be holy and that he is to be worshipped. So Hezekiah, is, he loves his people. And he says, don't you see, my old dad, Ahaz, he's a wicked man. He's willing to say that. He's willing to say, my father and my forefathers, people before him, they just let everything go to rock and roll. They didn't love God, they didn't know God. But I am here as, a, as God's agent to bring you back into the true worship of God. This is what Jesus has come to do. This is ultimately why Jesus died. That God might be worshipped. Not just to save you, to go on your merry way, to pull you up out of the ditch and then just take off again away from God. This is how. The last, second last chapter of the Old Testament ends. And it's pointing forward to the coming of Jesus. And this is what it says about Jesus. He is like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Well, who's the, the silver? He shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. Why? That they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. In other words, why did Jesus purge away our sins? That we might worship. That what we're doing here today might not just be peripheral to our lives, but who we are. We're not just husbands and wives and grandparents and and professionals or whatever. First and foremost, we have been given a body with a mind and a spirit to praise God. That's who we are. 
I am a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what I that's how I get identified. As a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus has come with passion to redeem this temple. To renew this temple. Isn't that what Paul says? Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you? Again, he says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. So we can transfer that imagery of what Hezekiah is doing to our present day situation and say, look, even though we don't see the temple of Solomon and bulls and goats and rams and blood and all that all over the place, nevertheless, that same imagery is taken up in me and in the church. God's dwelling place, where God's name is, where he is worshipped every day by people who love him and know him. So this is his child. This is his priority. And it's even more so with Jesus. That's why even at the joy of Jesus' work, the words that were hovering over his head were this. He shall save his people from their sins. For to his mother a sword shall pierce your own soul. Because of worship. Because God is not being worshipped in the world. Jesus is a savior unto worship. And he's, he, he's looking for people. That's why Jesus said to the woman in the well. A woman who had five husbands, married and divorced five times, and now she was living with a man who was not her husband. And nevertheless, Jesus says to her, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For such is God looking for. God is looking for. And she was one of them. In spite of her life. And what did she do? She was running into the temple. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Here is this woman who wouldn't dare show her face in public. Now she's running into the town, talking to the townsmen, saying, come and see this man. He is extraordinary. Could he be the Messiah? What was Jesus doing? He was leading her not only to salvation, but to worship. And you can bet that woman was worshiping for the rest of So, this is Hezekiah's charge. Then the Levites arose. Their, his priority became their priority. Jesus' priority becomes our priority. And you have all these Levites that are described in these names. I'm not going to dare read them in. They gathered their brothers and consecrated themselves and went in as the king had commanded by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. 
the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the house uh, of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord, and the Levites took it and carried it to the brook Kidron, that where the garbage stone was. And they began to consecrate on the first day of the first So this is Hezekiah's charge there. Look at verse 11. My sons, do not now be negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him, and to be his ministers and make offerings to him. I love that. Don't be negligent. Fulfill your calling as priests. Now the Bible says that Jesus has made all believers now Priests unto God. We're a kingdom of priests. That means that we intercede before God with thank offerings, praise offerings, and we intercede for the world around us. We're like the priests of the Old Testament. And we've been called by God, indeed chosen by God, for this particular purpose. And Hezekiah was really driving home with that. This is who you are. Do you not realize? It's my sons, be diligent. God has chosen you to stand in his presence before the world and to do this thing. What does Paul say in Colossians that we've been reading or studying together? Look at what he says. He's, Hezekiah is calling them to get rid of all the filth and the garbage that was in the temple. For years for decades, the temple of Solomon was now used to house broken bits of idols, sexually immoral things that they used for temple prostitutes. You can imagine all the rooms. Imagine this church. You go down in the basement. You go over in the covers. You open it and you find the most vile, idolatrous things in those covers. It's full of the most offensive things that God would ever find offensive. And of course, it's a picture of the human heart. And God calls us then to prioritize the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. He lives in the heart by his spirit. He said, what's in that? So Paul says in Colossians, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. You see? Which is idolatry. These things are like the idols of, that were stuck away in Solomon's temple, hidden there, and the place was just heaving with all this uncleanness and wickedness and whatever. There were idols. And Paul is saying that this is the way the human heart is when it's got sexual immorality. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Doesn't that just sound like what Hezekiah just said to the people? He says, Look, look, friends, God punished many of our people. Now they're living in distant lands. 
God took them off as captives and punished them. His wrath came down upon them because of the idols that were in the land. Paul says the same. Get rid of these things because the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from the world. You don't have to be bowing down to an idol, a piece of stone or wood. But when you have wrath and anger and hatred and jealousy and prejudice and all these things in your heart, that's just the vileness that Hezekiah found when he went into the temple. Uncleanness, filth, garbage that needed to be gotten rid of. Do you examine yourself in that way? Do you say, Lord, please shine the light into every room of my heart so I can see what's really there, the uncleanness, the filth, the pride, the jealousy, the lust, the anger, the bitterness, the covetousness, the unbelief, the hardness of heart, where I hear your word week after week and I do nothing about it. Lord, have mercy. My, my, my temple has become full of uncleanness. And yet, Lord, you say, I am yours. You have chosen me to worship you, to be a vessel of honor, a vessel of uncleanness. What am I doing, Lord? I'm discontent. I get angry quickly. I look at things that I shouldn't look at. I'm covetous. I'm jealous of the person who gets that job at work that I should have got. On and on and on and on. Lord, I don't pray. I don't read my Bible. I don't treasure the things that I shouldn't. Paul says, put them to death. Hezekiah said to his priests, be diligent, my sons. Be diligent. Paul says, put them to death. Put them on that old cross and crucify them. Put on, he goes on to say in verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. See what he's saying? He's saying the same thing as Hezekiah. Sons, be diligent because God has chosen you to stand in his presence, to be holy, to be dressed in holy garments, to be holy inside, in your heart, and to praise him. And the beauty of holiness Every day. How is it with you? He said. And God, by His Spirit, and through the New Testament, through the cross, through Jesus, and by His Spirit, saying to us here in 2022, on the first Lord's Day of the first month of 2022, where am I, Lord? What is my temple like? What condition is it in? Has it suffered from months and months of neglect? Has it suffered from uh, you know, rooms stocked full of ungodliness? Do I love you by, and is it showing my life by my walking to tell other people, my friends, my family, about you? Does it show in wanting to sacrifice my money and my time for the kingdom of God? Does it show in my daily consecrating myself and coming to the Bible and to a devotional day after day? Why one of the reasons we have in our devotional this morning so many uh, devotional uh, ideas for us to, to, to focus our mind on the Word of God in a very specific way. If 
it's these things that are, are litmus tests as to where we are. But this is what Hezekiah was saying. This is what Paul is saying. God has chosen me. That ought to give us a great sense of dignity, right? He's chosen you to not just to say, oh, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. But no. He has chosen you to serve him in this able week after week and in your homes day after day to offer up in praise to say, Lord, I can't believe how wonderful you are. I can't believe how much you love me. You stuck with me. You're so patient. You're so gracious, Lord. You're overwhelmed with God's goodness to you. What, what are you doing? You're doing exactly what the priests of the Old Testament would do. Offering up sacrifice, cleansing. You're going to God. Lord, I've got all these rooms in my heart that are full of gunk and uncleanness and rebellion and anger and all. Oh, Lord, the list goes on. Please help me to start cleaning up those rooms by your grace. And friends, I'm not saying it's going to happen in two weeks. These, these men went to work in two weeks. They got the job done. I'm not going to say that it's going to happen that quickly with you. Maybe it will. But we will have sin until the day we die. But then, importantly, one of the things we have to point out is that sacrifices were reinstituted. It wasn't good enough for them just to clean the place up. They had to start bringing in another mess. It's not, it's not just, it's not just God was upset with the mess. It was the wrong kind of mess. He didn't want the mess of idols. He wanted the mess of blood. The blood sacrifices. And he lists all these sacrifices. And it says, they took the blood and they threw it against the altar. And they took the garments and threw it against the altar. That means the, the sacrifice, the blood that would be shed by Jesus on the cross 800 years later. And then it talks about bringing in the, the, the goat upon which they laid their hand, which was a scapegoat. You know what a scapegoat is? Somebody does something wrong, maybe you're running a business, and somebody did something wrong, he is blamed. He becomes a scapegoat. Well, well, the male boy did it. It happened because he didn't send up the proper document, so we're blamed. And uh, all the fingers go down. This scapegoat, they lay their hands on him, and what they do? They confess all the sins of the people upon this goat. The goat is then destroyed, and so are their sins. Jesus becomes that scapegoat. As God lays all our sins upon him, he becomes the fall guy for what you and I did. So that we're not punished. But he is punished in our place. And you find anything comparable to that in all the world? We cannot. That's why Hezekiah, they, they say, Lord, that the world would know that you are God and you alone. Who was like the Lord our God? And then there was the, the joy that followed. With the sacrifices, there was the, the, the orchestra that struck up to symbolize the joy of, the, of God's people. That as the sacrifice was being conducted, the choir were playing, symbolizing the joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's how we know a change is taking place. That's how we know true reformation is going on because there's joy. I remember as a little child in my aunt's Sunday school class, I got the joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Too soon. That's what it is for a Christian. That's why it was not good enough just to clear the old rubbish up. But to bring the sacrifices back in that point its work to the work that Jesus was doing for us. But then also the joy that the Holy Spirit would bring in making that known to us. That now, rather than being a child of wrath, I am a child of love. My destination is the kingdom of heaven forever, where I will be what God made me to be, and that is to be a true worshiper of God. But it's important, I think, just lastly, to know what it says. How they understood where this came from. And Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced. Because God had prepared the kingdom. Where did all this come from? God did. Who raised up Hezekiah? God did. Who brought the reforms? God moved in the hearts of the people, in the hearts of the priests. Where do we get that resolve to live for God? To start working on this temple and cleaning it up? God does it. God, we go to God and say, Lord, you did all this. You gave your son, you gave your Holy Spirit, you gave your word. Please, Lord, now begin to work in me by your spirit. Help me to believe on your son. Help me to trust in him as my Savior, forsaking all others. And begin that work of cleansing and purifying, Lord, in my heart. Give me the strength to be diligent. And help me at the beginning of this new year, on the first Lord's Day of the first month of the year, to consecrate the Lord in my heart, to rejoice that you have sent Jesus, Emmanuel, to God with us, and that through his life, death, and resurrection, I can be the true worshiper that you've meant me to be. Let's close in prayer.